broken my heart in ways I didn't know I could be captured. Oh, oh, you've captured my heart in ways I didn't know I could be captured. Welcome to the Not Your Average Church Girl podcast. Today we finish our conversation with Pastor Jack, Pastor Christina, and Pastor Josh. Enjoy. Oh, it's just good to hear the, uh, a generation uh, talking like this. Uh, it's important. Uh, there was a generation that missed it and would have regrets. And you may never get an apology for those regrets. Uh, they'll say it. Uh, in a different way, uh, and it's not easy to to talk that way. Um, so it's good to hear. Priorities, uh, just your priorities. Uh, John Wooden, UCLA basketball coach, uh, said the greatest thing I can do for my fa- my my children is to love their mother. And so Josh nailed that. Uh, that's absolutely true. And and that's where I'm. My strength. Uh, there's a lot of weaknesses, but my strength is in loving my wife. Uh, as far as ministry, as far as the ministry philosophy, I watch the show. Uh, I watch a lot of television that I probably shouldn't watch. <laughs> Not the quantity of it, just the programming of oh, it. I it. love that edgy, <laughs> dark stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what, what are you? What, that has nothing to do with the gospel. And I love it. Uh, it's creative. Anyway, one of the shows has this uh, key figure, and she's eating breakfast, and she's having pork chops and uh, baked potato. And uh, and somebody walks in and says, it's breakfast. And she says, I hate eggs. Beside, who said? Like, who's, who said? Yeah. Uh, and that's how I approach ministry. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, like, who said you have to wear, uh, like, who said? Yeah. And so my wife was always kind of like, well, be careful. <laughs> and this is the key for me. Two things to young pastors, young ministers, uh, go, getting into the vocation of the church, ecclesial ministry. Mm-hmm. Please divide that. Everybody who has a faith in Jesus Christ is a minister of the gospel. Right. But ecclesial, when we want to be a facilitator, a quipper, there's two types of pastors, in my humble opinion. Pastoral care pastor mm. and a pastoral equipping pastor. Mm-hmm. Not that the equipper doesn't care or the caregiver doesn't equip yeah. but there's always that lean and that tendency and for me i i know them right away i can identify them and i'm more of an equipper so i always look at the care pastoral care it's like dude you're setting yourself up man because you also tend to want that care you want there's a reciprocity there and i think that's a danger so i always tell our 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 upcoming ecclesial ministers uh what's your motive which, right. What is your motive? Yeah. Right. You've watched somebody pastor and you said, man, I want to be like that. Whether it's the suits and the and the and the spotlight or being the first. You don't have to wait in line at the potluck. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's you get you that. get the closer parking. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. You get. And yeah. so I, I would. Uh, that's what I taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Who said like and, and so our philosophy in ministry was the pastor. The pastor doesn't get the first parking spot. He, she or he looks for the worst parking right. spot. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And uh, yeah. that's just a metaphor. You know, I mean, uh, uh, but but the other side of it, in when we talked about prep, sermon prep, how that takes a lot of time, Dr. George Wood used to say, this is our Assemblies of God superintendent, a, a scholar. Uh, he'd say, 
I'd spend 24 hours a week in sermon prep. And you got to look at at least nine different. It's in a book, the Pentecostal preacher, right? And so if you're using that standard, and, I, and, and what I like to say is, and this is what Living Faith did for 18 years. We're 21 years old now. I left when, they beca- when the church turned uh, an adult. When the church turned 18, I said, I'm, I'm gone. You don't need me. Uh, and uh, but we we preached the word of God. It's our scripture. It's it's the script. Don't don't deviate and say, you know, I think the church needs to hear about this. God is so faithful. We taught for the first year. We taught the book of John. It took us a whole year to go through the book of John. Then we started in Genesis. And in my in the 18th year, I finished Malachi. Genesis to Malachi. It took us 18 years to go through Book of John, then Genesis through Malachi. And so I was not a topical preacher. I was an expository preacher. And, of course, like on Mother's Day, we would, we would you know, we'd, we'd, we'd be, do themes. But that's what I did. And I said, that takes such a load off of you yeah. when you just say, you know what? We're going to be in Exodus. And next week we're going to be in this chapter. And, and you just march through and it's what a journey and remember those that aren't pastors those that aren't equipping uh man you're missing out if you're not in the word of god i'll 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 teach it i'll I'll read it with you but i can't read it for you and so and i grew up as a bible nerd you know i was a kid you know when we used to have those those uh contests where okay uh ephesians 3 verse (laughs) that was there uh, I was I mean nobody could beat me I was Royal Range pa- Pioneer of the Year two years in a row I dominated the 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 Royal Ranger uh, awards and all those things guess what when I stepped out of the church uh, and then come back to the Lord uh, what we call in our tradition the backslider uh, the backslider yeah. right Baptists called it uh, you got regenerated you were never lost you just regenerated but I was a backslider when I came back to the Lord all that stuff came rushing back into me and a love for the Lord so yeah. that, that, that's really what I what I learned as a pastor to yeah. this is what you need what's my motive yeah and and who said that this has to be done that way and so I crack up so for now for three years I've been I, I go and visit other churches and and yet we all have the same no matter what tradition we all have the same format you know we'll sing uh, then we'll announce then we'll collect offering then we'll preach and some will have altar call and some will come and bring the I love when the pastor calls the worship team up to play in the background the music in the background and and it's so funny and we didn't do it any different at living faith it's like that works people are used to it but uh, who said that's what I, that's the other thing I would tell my pastors and my pre- who said, mm-hmm. you know, I'm show me my spiritual authority is here. Show me where that has to happen. And the first generation is not hearing. They, they don't want to hear it. So I don't I don't challenge them that much. But uh, second, third, fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Bible school students. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who said that? And For so sure. your fifth gospel is your best is your best sermon. And when you said, Dr. Miranda, uh, when we say, you got to have an elevator speech, my dad would say this. He said, you know, I don't have an elevator speech, but if you'll take the stairs with me. Nice. And uh, that, that was brilliant on his part. He says, what's the hurry? You know, let's talk. Yeah. I don't even like the elevator. I feel claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like eight flights of stairs, then I might be like, yo, we're going to take the elevator. going to be a quick minute. There you go. Um, 
Dude, I know we could be here for like days to talk about this, but um, at any time in your ministry, because as I mentioned, your parents are pretty influential people anywhere, especially um, Pastor Lupita. She's one of like the first female pastors in our district here in Southern California. And uh, even though she didn't come from a family of pastors or believers even, right, because she shared that. In the episode, you know, they just gave their life to the Lord and they were called and they did it. For me, growing up, I always knew of her because your parents have done some pretty great things. Do you ever get that pressure or feel it or put it on yourself to be to accomplish what they accomplish or to be just like them? I think you need to be aware of the comparison trap uh, where, you know. We even talked about like, oh, we get this from our mom or this from our dad. So, you know, do you, you do I preach like my mom? Am I uh, visionary like my dad? Am I, you know, do this? So I think uh, you always need to be aware of that comparison trap and then just be obedient to what God is calling you to do. Uh, but I do think, um, you know, being in a pastoral family, it's like living in a in a fishbowl where everyone's just kind of watching and. You can see where the fish move and you can kind of follow one and see where they're going. And so you need to be very aware of, of, I I don't know if that's a pressure, but at the same time it is because you're then very aware of the fact that people are watching or people have opinions. So as kids or even in your teenage years when you want to explore and when you questioning authority and questioning everything else, there's, there's, uh, that pressure of all eyes are on you. And so how is she going to react or what is she wearing or what is she doing? And so, I think just naturally in, in our church, in our church culture, it's been there. Um, and now as a pastor, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to break that. Like my daughter's allowed to throw a tantrum. She's, she's tired of being here today or she's been at church, you know, five, six hours. She's, she's tired. So like right now, one of our issues is she, the whole quarantine, the whole nursery was hers. So of course she thinks she's the queen of the nursery and we're opening up on Sunday, and so she walks in there, and she thinks that whole room is hers. Like, she's just like, these are my toys. What are you, what are you doing? This is my room. Like, I come to play here. It's true. Because we opened up this building, and then just a couple months later, shut down. But she was there during pre-recording. She was there, you know, doing everything uh, with us. So she thinks this room is hers. And so, you know, people are looking at her like, oh, she doesn't like to share. She doesn't, you know. And I'm just like, uh, no, she's lived here for the last year. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, she thinks it's hers. So let's slowly teach her it's not, you know. And so it's like all that pressure. I would say the pressure comes, at least for me, it was like eyes are on you. Eyes are on you. So how are you going to react? How are you going to respond? And now uh, from a pastoral level, I, I'm, I'm very aware of, of the comparison sometimes that, you know, oh, pastora used to do things like that or pastor does things like this. And I'm like, so I love that. I, you're you're speaking to me when you're saying, who said? Who said? Because it's like, okay, let's challenge these things. Were they cultural? Were they just tradition? Is that just the way we've been doing it? And so um, that, that comparison is always something that I'm very aware of, but also just the all all eyes on you, which I think is a, is a pressure, an external pressure that other kids aren't necessarily growing up with. But as a PK, you're like, okay, they're looking at the way I respond or they're looking at, you know, so even it's like, Hey, everyone, let's, let's pick up the chairs as a PK. You're like, okay, like, let's pick up the chairs or let's set up. But other kids are like, I don't want to. And I was always like, okay, like, have a good attitude. I didn't want to pick up chairs either, but I had a good attitude about it. And so that uh, just the eyes and, and the pressure of, you know, people kind of watching you is, is for me as a PK was always there in the back of my, back of my head. 
You can see my shoulders, they're a little rounded. Uh, that's a legacy, carrying legacy. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, my dad, one of his legacies is being a humble, uh, a humble man. And so at his funeral, I, I, I made notice, people were chuckling after this, but <laughs> I put notice that uh, humility is not genetic. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and that too. got that got a chuckle, <laughs> but it's like You uh, were being dead guess serious. Guess what? I wasn't uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. We l well, I admire humility in others. Uh, <laughs> it's not an aspiration of mine necessarily. Uh, and so uh, you got to know who you you yeah. just got to know who you are yeah. and be you and uh, the pressures are 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 real when you you know you've got somebody who's nationally uh, recognized uh, and wonderful would prefer Spanish to English and I don't even speak Spanish and so you know those are like what, like right away what and it's like sorry but if you translate for me I can I can get you I can get a message uh, but those are just got to feel more comfortable in who you are the pressure I, I didn't feel again there's a difference between a preacher's kid and a pastor's kid you know uh, the pastor's kid man it's it's condensed it's it's uh, it's it's there. You're there. I saw it in my mo in my in my wife's life. She'd grow. She grew long, beautiful hair. It's always gorgeous, and she would twirl her hair at. She's 15 years old, right? Has this beautiful Farrah Fawcett like hair hairstyle. I liked it, but I heard my aunt one time talk about uh, why does she comb her hair? Why does she mess with her hair all the time? Uh, to my mom, this was before we, I we were dating or anything, but it's like. That's not like that wasn't that's not fair. Yeah. You know, I thought that I didn't dare tell my auntie, you know, confront. <laughs> but I thought that and I was like, there is a there is a double standard, which is another phrase for hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. uh, it just is. If you have yeah. a double standard in any area of your life, that's hypocrisy. And so, yeah, you know, my dad was this is a, one of the biggest gifts my dad gave me. Permission. Mm. It's permission. Be, be yourself. He knew right away I was not a clone. I was not <laughs> Dr. Jesse Midanda. Yeah. But you're a lot like the woman I married. Yeah. Mm. And I love her, so uh, I'm going to find the good in you, <laughs> too. And, and that's what he did. And I was invited to the, uh, and, and Pastor Josh did this as well with Dr. Canales, uh, the Southern Pacific District, our district council, every two years. I was invited to speak in 2004. This is three or four years after we had started the church and I was speaking and my dad, <laughs> he, he followed me around uh, d before I was going to speak. And he just said, now just be yourself, son. Just be yourself. And, but he's like, he was right here, you know? Oh. So I knew he was nervous. Oh. I knew he was nervous. And, uh, and you know, that's who he was. Just be yourself. That's like, yeah, who, who else can you be? Yeah. And if you even attempt to go outside of you, look out. And so that, that was a gift permission yeah. not permission to be you Good. and uh, awesome. so yeah it was awesome I love that pressure <laughs> under pressure pressure <laughs> heck yeah heck yeah Harvard come on yeah um, funniest uh, smartest guy I know um, an intellect a scholar let me know as well, for those of you listening, um, Pastor Jack and Pastor Josh's parents come from the hood. Oh, yeah. The barrio. Yeah. And um, we'll never deny it. We'll never, well, we we'll are proud of it. We're, you know, yeah. we're always proud of it. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, went on to higher education. They are doctors, Dr. Jesse Miranda, Dr. Isaac Canales, and who really set the precedent for us younger Latino leaders. Yeah. True. That was a push they both did, like, you need yeah. to get educated. Yeah. It's not about the title, but you need to be educated. Yeah. Um, so I just want to make sure I, I note that that is... Uh, Thank yeah. you for saying that. They they yeah. would appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And let me add before Josh continues no, yeah, that th there's a doctor, and people are always telling me uh, when they're doctors, right? Uh, no, just call me just call me Tommy. Uh, you know, your doctor Tommy Casares, a PhD from Princeton, and this is why I'm going to call you doctor because I I grew up in a home and I saw the rigor, I saw the challenge of getting to that place and how hard it was. No, you deserve that title and PhD. Not just doctor, but Ph.D. says you added a philosophical uh, uh, you you contributed a philosophical addition to your to you, the academic rigor. And so that's what a Ph.D. is. And he didn't mention Josh didn't mention that he's a Greek and Hebrew scholar. Yeah. yeah. So not just English, not just Spanish, not just tongues, <laughs> but Greek <laughs> and Hebrew. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I was born January 15th, which means. Um, I share the same birthday as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And so my father and Dr. King were my two heroes growing up, right? So right away, I had, you know, after baseball and even before baseball, like if I'm going to go into ministry, I'm going to I'm going to pursue a Ph.D. I'm going to if God calls me into ministry, I'm going to be Reverend Dr. Josh Canales. And then life happened. And then <coughs> and then you learn about who you are. You learn about being yourself. You learn about God's gifts of grace that he has given to all of us, all men, all women. Um, and then you slowly but surely um, are let down um, from this expectation of having to be somebody, be just like somebody to exceed somebody in various or different aspects of of life. And so, yeah, man, when when God called me into ministry in 03, 18 years ago, OK, I'm going to go do my MDiv and I'm either go for me. I'm like, I'm either going Ivy League or I'm going to go to Fuller or Claremont, you know, um, and then I'm going to go straight into my Ph.D. I'll, I'll be praying and figuring that out. And then, you know, and then life right? <laughs> There's life. My MDiv eight years or my dad on his deathbed back in 2008. And, and now I'm pastoring the church for two years while he's recovering. He's still the senior pastor and I'm leading other ministries full time and I'm still doing my MDiv and my wife's just had a premature baby. Um, and so life God God intervened on purpose. And he's like, your path is going to be different. And that's OK. Mm. That's cool, because this is who you are, bro. Like embrace it. Right. Uh, just love it. Love yourself. Love who I made you to be. Your pops was your pops. Whatever I had for him, that was for him. Yeah. Whatever I have for you, I have for you. Yeah. The doors that I opened for you, nobody could shut. The, do the doors that I shut for you, nobody can open. And so I'm 42, and I'm still, right? I'm still, you know, people, you know, it is, it is flattering when people say, wow, amazing message today, man. You remind me of your father. I'm like, there's a healthy pride, but there's also just like a fleshly pride. I'm just like, oh, you said that. I know my pops could preach. I'm <laughs> like, but at the same time, 
I know that that's still part of that pressure. Yeah. Mm. And also because I love my pops and I admire him and, and he's he's the one that I have that set the mold. You know, he's the one that that we're, we're all like you said, so many folks. He's one of them. He's but for me in my life, he's he's like, all right. So then the Lord just showing me like, yeah, but yours is going to be look just completely different. You may not write any books. You may not be a scholar in a in an academic setting, but that's okay. Yeah. Cuz you have an apostolic calling. You're going to equip. Mm. You're going to raise up. You're going to church plant. You're you're a missionary. Preach to her. You're you're not going to be in the academic. That's for your brother Koba, the Reverend Doctor. Okay. You know, yeah. he's going to do that and he he's going to preach too and he's going to do that. And, but Josh, I got something different for you. And um the sooner that you <laughs> You become okay with it? Yeah, yeah. The 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 better <laughs> off it's going to be for you cuz you'll be you'll mature and you'll be able to let go of all those pressures even though the even though the hermanos and the hermanas really really can't wait till pops gets back up there to preach again. Uh. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I want you to to um stand tall and know who you are and demonstrate that to everybody else so the sooner that you can then they'll also be able to see that God is doing something bigger and 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 way more meaningful um, when they see you being exactly who you. So I love what what Pastor Jack said. Like it's it's straight up. We're we're different. Yeah. Was there a pressure and is there still sometimes? Yes. And thank God, you know that the Lord is just patient with us while we learn. Yeah. Let me let me let me kick that off. Uh, uh, my kids. Some of my kids, my own children. I have seven, and uh, the 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 pandemic has given them a, a chance to uh, exhale. And you don't really have to be in a space. Uh, but what 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 I've taught them, I think, when I when I entered the vocation of pastoral ministry, uh, is uh, this is church. This is who's the church. We're the church, and you create space. And so when you put pressure on yourself, Araceli, that, hey, I've, you know, you're almost like apologizing for not getting your bachelor's yet. Who said it has to take a certain amount of time? Uh, who said, uh, you know, I was in there. I, if somebody would have told me it was going to take me eight years to get my master's, uh, I might not have done it. Uh, <laughs> but you just keep going. You're working full time. You're planting a church. You're professing at LABI. You just adopted two little girls. Uh, there's all this stuff. Life happens. But what I would tell people, because there are some different, I mean, there are some very serious wounds for many people from the institution of the church. And who said it has to happen on Sunday morning? Who said it has to happen with stained glass? Who said, you know, those are tradition. My father would say this, uh, that tradition is the living faith of the dead but traditionalism is the dead faith of the living and those are the things we tire we 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 paint ourselves in a corner thinking it has to be this way so we've got a movement called exvangelicals uh, they've been wounded they're out of the church and and they're they're mad they're angry they're railing at the organized uh, religious uh, establishment. And I think we just permission, exhale, you know, but do you believe God loves you? Uh, do you believe that I can love you? Can you love me? Uh, and it just takes relationship. So that's where I, I've always been a small church pastor. 
because I, I, man, I can't fathom uh, when would the church would start to get like close to 150 men, women, and children. I said, it's time. It is absolutely time to empty the church. And we did that four or five times. And uh, said, that's just too many people. 150 men, women, and children? I, that's just too many for me. And uh, instead of establishing a pastoral team, I said, no, you, you go to South Almonte. You go to Santa Ana. You go to Fullerton. And that's how we did it. But really, it was just a touch, the table, la mesa, breaking bread. Uh, that's how we're going to reach that the generation that's been wounded and hurt because we've told them this is how you you uh, follow Christ. This is how you do your your you, you do religion, and that's absolutely not not the case. I don't think I have church on Tuesday morning at the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I stand in fact this last I I will let me not get into that because it's long. It's a, I had a sermon and it was thirty seconds long. And uh, sorry if you're here and you stumbled into a church service, uh, and because you're business people. Man, you're you are beloved by God, and so we always open in a prayer, and we and then I share a I'll share a verse, and they didn't ask me to. I when I stand up, I introduce myself, and I said, you know, I'll say whatever I'm going to say that relates to uh, the this business, and then I say because we have insurance guys, and I sell afterlife insurance. Come and see me; you'll love the rates. Hey. Uh, I, I sell fire insurance. Uh, those kind of things, and it just gets people, and it stirs people there yeah. who already have a faith. Right. They just think it gets checked on Sunday morning, right. and so you just man, open this up, young people. This is a new way to do church, and it's really not the new way; it's the New Testament way. Yeah. Right? Yes, that's good. I'm all fired up. Yeah, I know. Yeah, relationships, relationships, and just you know, hearing people out, hearing where the stem of that hurt has come from, and. Uh, you said something earlier, like some of us may not receive that apology. And so for many of, you know, these people that are that are hurt, um, they may never receive an apology from whoever actually hurt them. But if we can just show them, you know, that that we're here, that we're, you know, not not even just changing things up, but that we're here just showing them the love of Jesus simply by hanging out together, ha grabbing coffee together, a bagel, and just getting to know them, spending time with them, then they'll start to believe in the Jesus that I believe in because they're seeing, like, fruits come come from, you know, within. And so um, just spending that time and building those relationships and, you know, kind of getting to the root of that hurt and where it comes from. Would you even say, because I know you're a marriage and family therapist, uh, would you even recommend, if they're not already, that maybe um, we could recommend therapy? Oh, yes. I mean, I think everybody should go to therapy. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> Everyone, that, that needs to be, like, instituted somewhere, like, before you finish high school, <laughs> before you graduate or something. I um, mean, yeah, it's about yeah. the confession. Like, we talk about confession. And confession is just, is yeah. to me, isn't just like, oh, I, I sinned. Keep me accountable. Yeah. It's like. I'm confessing my hurt yeah, right I now. Hurt. I need someone to process Good. this with. Right. I need someone to I need someone listen. to look out for me. I need someone to listen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a healthy habit. Not to use it as an excuse like, oh, I can't do that because I'm in therapy. Or because I'm in therapy, I'm crippled and da-da-da-da-da, right? Because I've heard that as well. But really as a tool to be able to process something. Because not all pastors are therapists. Yeah, We're not counselors. Yeah. Um, I am guilty that I want to solve all of your problems, but guess what? I'm not equipped for that, but I can listen 
And uh, I know some great Christian therapists that I can send you to that can help you with some of this deep-seated issues that you got. Good. Yeah. You know, this is a hard question because we don't always have direct access and there's not a whole lot of books on, you know, how do you you engage with uh, a PK at that level? It's hard. I mean, you know, Christina mentioned relationships, but it's hard. I mean, it, it it might take 10, 15 years before you're able, you're ever able to sit and have that. I mean, that hard conversation that's muddy and ugly, um, because it just opens up so much pain that n- most people don't want to touch with the ten foot stick, and that's why we we compartmentalize it. We distance ourselves. We we break away, never to come back, never to want to broach the topic, never to want to talk about it. And it's hard for us as pastors to engage those things because we're the pastors. We represent the hurt. We represent the pain. We're taking on someone else's pain. We're in reintroducing something that they're like, why are you bringing that up? I'm, I'm good. I'm straight. Like, can't you see? We're happy and we're doing it different. And I don't want anything to do. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to do church from over here. We're going to, you know, I, I know the Lord and I know Jesus, but we're going to do this like this from over here. And like Pastor Jack said, the, the, the pandemic was very convenient for a lot of us Christians who needed that break, but who, and who want to keep that break and don't want to come back. Don't want to re reconnect, reengage. You asked that question of hurt PKs, and right now my mind is going in so many different directions of how many people that I know, young people in their 20s, people in their 30s, grown, you know, folks, uh, you know, dads in the community and sports teams that I know. So, oh, yeah, my dad was a PK, you know, and I, I have like 100 questions for them then. Like, you know, why aren't you serving the Lord? Why don't you, why don't you go to church? Why don't, you know? Where is your relationship or what where was the disconnect, you know, and almost like I would be grilling that kind of person to try and figure out what was wrong. And I know I'm not there to fix their issue or their problem. They wouldn't want me to, you know. Um, So this is a hard question. This is a hard question Um, on a personal level. It's the people closest to us It's those 20 year olds right now that are part of our, our congregation here. It's like reaching out to them text inviting them to grab a burger you know inviting them over our house just trying to be a friend or you know establish some type of common ground with them um but and and i would say the last thing and and i i I know i didn't say a whole lot and give you a whole lot of answers because this one's hard but the way we preach and the message that we're communicating because they're listening they're still listening yep they're not as far as we think that they really are. They're they're coming in contact with all of our sermons, our messages, our posts, our lives. They're watching our lives. They're listening. And they're there. And the message that we communicate from the pulpit still is so instrumental for them to see like, oh, thank the Lord that 
we're doing something about it, that they're doing something about it, that the message has changed, that it's not the thing that caused my hurt or the church is addressing these, uh, you know, taboo issues and unspoken things. And and I know the church, we, we preach a hard message sometimes that a lot of times people don't like. I mean, there's a whole lot of hot topic issues and, and you know, hot topic buttons that the church is talking about right now that are, that it's causing people to distance themselves not 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 even pks but people themselves the nuns um but the pk issue you know it really does i mean my dad says use every opportunity son funerals um the message that's preached in love and trust um weddings you're not gonna you have their ear for for but a moment and we have to go in there equipped to, to just communicate the love of Jesus. We don't have to we don't have to convict you know people of sin. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And that's the job of, of them coming back to the Lord and letting the word of God itself do that. And so we have to just be ready that if we're a churchman, if we're um, one of the, the mouthpiece of the church um, and wanting to woo back and establish that trust how would we do that with anybody in a relationship? And we have to, we have to put some body on that, contextualize it, and 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 trust God to lead that charge. So that's one of my burdens. It's one of my burdens, in in th- those those public, you know, ministry moments of reengaging people that that are not there on Sunday, but that may be tuning in and listening from a, from afar. So. I do think that the message that we preach is is very significant Amen. and important for us. Amen. Amen. So what can we do as a church now? Because now you got your pastors, you got kids, you've been a pastor, you've had kids grow up. What can we do now, right, to protect them? Because even though we are changing things now, there's still a lot of that uh, of what we grew up in still happening, right? Your kids are still being looked at, probably being compared to you. Um, still, you know, oh, you got to act right. And so what can we do now as a body of Christ to to better serve um, our pastor's kids? And I, I really, again, I know I've said this already. I am, I am a stickler for, I just want to guard every single leader's kids. Like, I just want to guard Every single one of them. And I know that they're loved and I know that they're kids. But when I'm around my pastor's kids, like, and Caleb said in the last episode, he's like, it's so awkward because you just be asking me questions like, how's soccer? How's life? And I'm like, yeah, because I want to know you're okay. But I also want you to know that you you can talk to me. Because I know that even as a a PK growing up, you guys have your guard up too. Right? Whereas for me growing up in church, I could, I don't really, again, I don't care. I'm just going to talk to whoever I want to. I'm going to tell you whatever I want. But for you, you're thinking about your parents probably, right? You're thinking about your home life. Like, I, you know, I want to protect them. I want to be ca- even just sitting here. I'm sure you want to be careful yeah. on what you're sharing because you're trying to guard. And me, I didn't care. I, I didn't. You know, I had that luxury that I didn't have to care. And so what can we do? You know, you've seen your kids go through it, Pastor Jack, and you're watching your little ones go through it and you're making changes. But some of us still are stuck in like the pastor kids. I don't know who said it are the poster child of what a good Christian kid is supposed to look like. Right. Or they're or they're the child like, don't be like them. 
That's not what you're supposed to act like, you know? Because yeah, Caleb even yeah. said, like, um, if I acted up, it wouldn't surprise my congregation. Yeah. Because that's a stigma. And I was like, dang, that's kind of sad. Like, that's the expectation. Whether if it's not like you're the poster child, but it's also like, oh, yeah, we expect that from MPK to, to act up, you know? So what can we do to, to, to better serve, you know, these leaders' kids uh, who are in this fishbowl and got all these eyes on them and this pressure? Whether or not they – because I was really surprised talking to Caleb and Karen. They didn't, they didn't really feel the pressure, and they're, like, in their early 20s, you know? Well, one's in the early 20s, one's in their late 20s. And they, they're like, it was fine. It didn't, it didn't really bother me. But they also said, I didn't have a choice. This is my life. I could not change it. So I had to learn to live through it, you know. So um, what can we do to better serve our leaders' kids, our pastors' kids? I mean, I think it's crucial to utilize, you know, the village that, that God has entrusted uh, whether that's within the congregation or family members or whoever it may be, um, but also knowing that your kids individually have personalities and callings. And so right now the calling, you know, is mine and I'm responding to the calling, my husband and I, that the Lord has placed upon us. Uh, but our kids have different personalities. So my brother was the one that ushers were like, oh, here he comes. He's running around causing a ruckus. But I was very like well-behaved and just, you know, just quiet. And that was just part of like, my personality. And so I think getting to know, uh, you know, and trusting the village that, that you have and that God has placed there and, um, knowing that the body of Christ, like as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we, the ones with that we trust and are close to our family, like, that's okay. Like I can leave my kids with you and go on a date night and, and I know that I'm safe. And, you know, so those people that God has placed, um, in your life, taking them in and making them part of the family and your kids feeling safe with them and knowing that, you know, this is, you know, a friend or an, a, a, an aunt, an uncle or whoever it may be that, you know, is part of our family. And so like, for me, it's, it's girls that are in my youth group or in our worship team. Cause those are the people we spend the most time with so they love and care for my daughter and so they're like her tias and and that's normal to her and I grew up like that and I'm fine with that like there's hermanas that you know had my back and I could cry with and I can you know just be myself and it was beautiful there are people that still celebrate holidays with us or are part of birthday parties and and all of that so knowing those people that God has placed to to help you know nurture your home and and make it a healthy home um, but then just knowing that your kids are individuals and so one might be a little more rowdy than the other and one might, you know, and, and that's okay. You know, that one might be running around and wants to run on the altar and the other one is just, eh, I'm okay. You know, I'm chill and I'm in the back. So, uh, taking that time to know each kid, it's not a, a family unit, you know, it is a family unit, but there's individuals within that unit and, and knowing the needs of your kids and what they can handle. And so, my brother could easily, when we were kids, grab the mic and give an awesome Pastor's Day speech. And everyone was like, wow. I was up there like, I just want to thank my mom and dad. You know, and I was like <laughs> sobbing in tears. And, you know, so really like if, if there was a a perfect description of like what a, a pulpit, you know, pastor should be, it's my brother. Like he's the politician and the great speaker and, you know, great with people. And I was just the tender hearted, loved people and like, hi, making sure, you know, people were OK. But, you know, God calls who he calls and and uses like who he wants to use. And so um, just knowing that your kids or our kids are, are, are different 
are different and and knowing their needs individually so that you can't make one do what another one is like please don't make me do that you know please don't make me recite a scripture in front of the whole congregation the other one might be like yeah no problem or making them sing or making them pray or you know all of these different things so taking the time to slow down and get to know the needs of, of each you know pastor's kid depending on their age you know from infancy to you know young adults and whatever that may be you know um I've, I've never really thought about it like as a corporate thing like how do we protect pks i've always just thought about how do i protect my own you know and and how my my dad you know and, and their generation is like how do we pr protect our own but and i think because I'm, I'm not a guardian first by nature i'd probably be my brother koba even though he's the youngest of the three i'm more pioneer more like creative bent and so i don't think that way um but i remember a couple of years ago um koba said hey bro because we have a pastoral staff of about 20 pastors. Um, and so there's a lot of PKs growing up. But yeah. several years ago, Cope said, we got to do something for our PKs here at the church. Mm. He's like, and God put like a, a vision on my heart for that. And it's called uh, Samuel's Kids or Sam's Kids. Because Samuel was raised in, you know, in the house of God. I yeah. mean, his, his, his mom, Hannah, you know said i'm gonna bring him to the priest eli and, and raise him in the house of god you bless me with the child you bless it bless me with the son i'm gonna give him right back to you yeah. and so he was raised in the house of god and when i think of that pk image that always comes to mind and i've i've preached that message at christian you know uh christian uh elementary schools middle schools high schools because I think that that does not fall on deaf ears when you talk about Samuel being raised in the house of God, all yeah. the pressure, and you know, he didn't have any place to go, but God was with him and God raised him up to be a mighty man of God. And I'm like, it's really cool to be a pastor's kid yeah. and it's really a blessing. And let me t let's let's remove all the, that negative stigma mm -hmm. and of what you feel that you're going through right now. And oh, poor you. Yeah. But it's the blessing of it. And so this idea of how do we look out for pastors, kids as a whole is like it's it's a complete ministry in and of itself yeah. is my point. And Koba had it right. Like there's a way that we have to minister to them, not to set them apart, not to make them feel that they're being elevated and or extra attention. But know that there's something to this right here that they need to be heard. They need to be prayed for. They need to be encouraged. They need to have the permission to be themselves and to. Instead of be sitting in the front row yeah. of our outdoor services, they're gonna be running in the field next door looking for lizards, right. <laughs> listening yeah, to the that's what's up. listening to the message in the background. Pastor yeah. Jack, he's seen my boy Judah chasing down lizards in the middle of the service, yeah. and 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 I'm hearing the birds chirping, and I'm watching <laughs> the message sometimes when I'm not preaching, and I look back in the field, this 14-acre field behind our church, and I go, there's my son, and he's in his element, yeah. and that's the that's the Lord right there. And yeah. and that's the beauty, that's the beauty of of these babies that that we get to shepherd mm -hmm. and and look after. But it's not just my own, it's it's all of our kids. Yeah. So what are we gonna do, anti Araceli? Yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do for for, right. you know, Samuel, the Samuels? That's it, Cole. Good. That's good. I I you know again I would say in, as a sixty three year old father and grandfather uh, permission give them permission to be who they are 
and and affirm that and uh and and again the message to to relieve pastors and their families that we're not on the we're not the only ones on the hook to equip and to care it's just a it's a it's a village matter and uh, and so the people that have been damaged uh relationship uh but instead of us making them come to us because uh, that's what church is on Sunday. We and that's how we gauge judge ourselves. Uh, as a pastor, I'd stand up. I led I led worship with my back to the congregation. But as soon as I addressed them, I made I made uh, attendance. Just I mean it was I even against my own will. I I already scanned and I knew who was there and who wasn't there. And that matters to us. And that's our burden, really. Yeah, uh, instead of true. rejoicing in in the faces we see, we're where is so and so, and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, and that goes for the kids as well. That's true, mm. and uh, and we need to relieve ourselves of that. Give give yourself permission to to blow it, to mess up, and and I like what uh, Christina's saying about her baby, uh, let that, and what Josh is saying about his son. Let him run around. That's what kids do, mm. uh, and the damaged adults. The damaged adults. It is the it. That's on him. I'm sorry if I'm assigned the good news to the message. You're gonna have to help. That's right. That's right. And that's it. I know these people. They're damaged. They're wounded. But is my idea of their relationship with you confined to Sunday morning attendance? Uh, where are they making peace? Part part uh, responsibility. Yeah. Not full. And uh, uh, and so I, again, a patience, permission. I was there, I was there. I was uh, I was this happy wanderer, uh, uh, wanderlust. And I wish I could point to Brother Wadis, Brother Zeke, Sister Tasavia. Oh, they were hypocrites. None of that. Just self selfish. And so sometimes you know we're trying to help them figure out. Okay, who did what to you? And it's like sometimes. It's, that's just you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to go check out. You want to go check out. No, that's. You want to go check out the mm-hmm. happy life. Yeah. That that wide road that yeah. leads to destruction. Yeah. I was there, and guess what? If the Lord hadn't arrested me, I'd still be there. And mm-hmm. guess what? I didn't have many regrets being on that wide road. Mm-hmm. So I know how tempting it is. Right. And the only thing that got me was the loss of my son, and that got my attention. And if you've ever had your parent get you by the chin and point hey look at me when i'm talking to you that was the god moment for me and that's what i would tell anybody who's out there wandering around look out for that god moment don't wait for him to break your heart to bring you back uh that's that's the story so we can affix some blame to the church and the institution but some of it's just human nature and man i'm ready to go live live life i've been i've been handcuffed too long to the pew and let me go and uh and it's good it's good i, I would never say it's not good i was a happy drunk and uh and uh and yet that was just so selfish and so there's no future yeah. and so thank the lord for my salvation amen and uh it's been 9541 days amen uh, but who's counting yeah hey <laughs> Every day matters, man. I love that. If my wife was the one sitting right here in the chair, and she, even though she's not a PK, she'd probably have better answers. Because 
our Sundays are crazy. And they've been crazy because it's a large church. It's not just one service. It's three services. And before, it used to be four with the Sunday evening. That's why I was saying <laughs> we were killing ourselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It didn't work. And to yeah. this day, we've been praying. We've talked. My wife has cried. Who do who takes care of our kids after the, the one service that they come to or attend? And if not, what do they do for the other two services when they're crammed in a room, right? Having to, or who watches them or who cares for them? You know, my mom, my mom serves at church all day. Grandma, grandma's not going to be the one, you know? Yeah. And and you, you start thinking about it. So we, we're, we're still praying. Who can we entrust? Yeah. Yeah. Our kids to who, Father God, who can you send that will say, this is my ministry? After church, I got the kids. They're coming with me. I'm gonna feed them. I make sure your four-year-old. I mean, we started over with the with the baby girl, you know. Okay. So <laughs> get her nap, and, and while me and my wife, now my yeah. wife, she's she's called to full-time ministry, and now she, she's like, she's like, okay, well, sh- now I know where God wants me and needs me, and I, I can't just leave after the first service because that was a separate conversation. My wife saying, you know, hey, one service on a Sunday is enough for me. You're the pastor. Yeah. Now she's like, <laughs> I guess I'm the pastor too. Yeah. So you know, that's between her and God. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah. But that's yeah. That's that's every pastor's you know challenge. Yeah. You know, and that's one of ours. It's mm-hmm. a very practical one. Father, would you provide that person yeah. who preferably drives, is trustworthy, you know, that is gonna look after the kids in a, in the best way possible. We haven't found that person yet. And we're still praying. That's one of the practical things that we're praying for our own kids. How do we protect them from feeling like they just are stuck and they got no other choice? When my my 14 year old says, hey, dad, can I go home after the first service? I'm like, why are you even asking? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can go, bro. Like, you're going to go to your friend's house or what do you want to do, son? You know, I mean, they're beautiful babies. They're beautiful kids, man. You know, so I can go on and on. But I mean. My wife could have, she could have given you the whole <laughs> 10 steps yeah. of, of, of how, yeah. to, how to protect the PKs because she sees mm. it from a different perspective right. and has understood it not being a PK herself, but now she sees it. Because you guys are just oh. so Good. used to it. That's been your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it may be the church paying for uh, a child care sitter and the church taking that on as, you know, part of its budget because – you know, for us, say, how do we pay a, a babysitter on a Sunday when you're working? Like that may be something a church would have to talk about to have healthy, healthy kids. Yeah. So there's there's just so many. There's a lot of things that we are seeing now that need to be done. And I think it's good. And so anyone, if you if you see it within your own church, I would encourage you to start it up. Um and if you have an idea, I'd love to hear it. You can email me at nyacg.2021 at gmail.com or on Instagram and not dot your average church girl. Um, I'd love to hear your ideas. And maybe your church is already doing it. I know at FOTO we have, um, dang, what was the name of it? I don't forgot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's for the leader's kids. Um, and what FOTO on the go, that's what it's called, FOTO on the go. So it's all these kids who are there, first service, they go to class, and it's like, what do we do with them, second and third service? We used to have three, but now it's just two. And um, the children's pastor was the one who's like, we're going to have, we're going to get leaders to t- feed them, 
and watch them. They can play games. They can watch a movie. But then after some time, it's like, all right, this is good for like a good two, three months. But we done with the video games and and uh, all that. You know, sometimes it's just it could it could just be playing. It could be soccer games. It could be, you know, teaching them how to serve if they're interested, if that's what they want. You know, again, just kind of knowing what they want. Um but uh, thank you so much. I know we can. This is a topic that can <laughs> days, <laughs> days, days, right, days. Yeah. Um, so I just want to thank my the, my friends here for joining me today, and uh, I'm so excited for people to hear this. And um, again, if is there any final words that either of you would like to? Nah, thanks for letting us vent. <laughs> <laughs> our free therapy session. Yes, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, this was a uh, group therapy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. a therapist, but I got ears. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're just your uh, the platform is important. Uh, this is the way to communicate. And I would encourage, boy, I, I first generation needs to be able to even hear themselves, hear themselves, because there's a generation coming up. I've been invited to speak to our pastor's kids and our preacher's kids in our district i mean the young ones and i had one kid come up run up and said could you talk to my dad now could you talk to him now like he had my hand and he wanted me to go talk to hermano and could you talk to him now what you know the things i expressed it's like yeah he needs to hear that yeah. <laughs> right. point. but you know i i mean it sounds kind of cute that that's a damaged little boy yeah it is yeah. Uh, it's hurting. He's a yeah. hurting boy. And, and that we would teach a generation how to apologize. Uh, and so that's that could be a next uh, a next step. Uh, I think that's important. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. That's nine words. And that'll change your intimate relationships. Uh, but thank you. This is good platform. This is good. You know, the subject, like Josh said, uh, is a good time to vent. And it's, you know, talking about ourselves is, is, uh, uh, is, is fun. <laughs> okay hey uh, yeah thank you so much I, I uh like we talked about this in the car but um you don't ask a lot of pastors kids that what was your point of view how did you feel are you okay <laughs> you right, know these yeah. questions they're not conversations that are often had so thank you thank you for this thank you for having us yeah yeah, yeah i i, I well, my my fourteen year old teenager, my my preteen Judah is twelve. Those conversations, thankfully, um, we've been able to start having with them. You okay? You know what do you need? Um, Jack, your kids are grown. Tina, you're just getting started, yep. and my kids are right there. You know we can <laughs> still save them now. <laughs> <laughs> we can still save them now. <laughs> we practice what we're learning now. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the great things about seminary, you know, is practicing and implementing what you're learning then and there right away. And 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 so I'm listening and and um, and and thankfully the Lord, you know, has come alongside and said, yes, let's 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 do healthy church. Let's let's be healthy people. And, and uh, so thank you. And how could I ever So you've been so kind. Oh.
Thank you again for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. I'll see you in two weeks for the What I Learned About Love episode. See you then. Bye.